Welcome to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a podcast platform to share interesting conversations from the most successful leaders within the Stockholm tech community. My name is Sophie Gould and I'm your host for today. So welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by an amazing panel who are here with me to discuss the secrets of building an inclusive culture at work. Now this is a topic that I think is relevant for any leader in any industry at the moment Um, and for me diversity is a huge passion of mine so I'm really really excited to to dive into this talk and hear some of the thoughts and opinions and and kind of experiences that we all have. So before we delve a little bit deeper into the topic let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Now for this, I'd like to know who you are, what you do, and also something that you're passionate about. And this can be within your role as a leader, outside of work, literally anything that you you think is a passion of yours. So Patience, we'll start with you. Okay, sure. Uh, Hi, I'm Patience Allen. I work at Telia and I'm a manager in the IT department, which is a cross-country department that covers six different countries. Um, And I have three different uh, teams underneath me, two main teams and a little extra one-guy solo team. Um, And I'm, I'm very passionate about Uh, helping people progress in their career and whether that's within my team, whether that's helping them move to other teams, whether that's giving them an opportunity and opening a door um, and just giving them a chance. That's really where a lot of my, um, what I enjoy most about being a manager, where it lies, it's it's helping people sort of get to the next level and progress and and be better at their jobs and be happier with what they're doing. Um, And I think diversity plays a really critical role in that and creating teams and environments where you can appreciate appreciate each other for who you are and the different values and perspectives you bring to a team. Um, Because I believe that creates better products and better services and better working environments as well. A little bit about me. Nice. No, definitely. I think um, as as a leader or a manager, you're definitely in the best position to help people. So, yeah, that sounds good. And Linda. Oh, Linda, can you hear us? Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you now. Uh, I will start again. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. So thank you very much for uh, inviting me on today. My name is Linda Höglund. I am the Chief People Officer at Simpler. And what am I passionate about? I'm passionate about so many different things. Uh, one of the key things, of course, is that I'm passionate about my job and all the great thing me and my team are doing, supporting our amazing employees at Simpler and uh, helping uh, grow and scale the organization. But if I were to say something a little bit more personal, it's definitely my family. I am super passionate about my family. My young son, who's two years old, and our little dog and my husband. Oh, Biggest passion in life. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's nice. What kind of dog do you have? It's a boar de taille. Oh, nice, nice. Small little dog, he weighs seven kilos, but he's uh, full of character anyway. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. It's always the small ones, isn't it, that have the biggest personalities? It always is. (laughs) Oh, thanks, Linda. Um, And Håkan, we'll come to you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, My name is Håkan Sandström. I'm the manager for the digital sales channel at uh, ATG. Uh, I have about four teams, uh, depending on how you look at it. Uh, It's around 30 people. Both employees and consultant. I'm very passionate about helping people, both at work uh, and in my personal life. I'm a volunteer in the Swedish Sjöräddningshällskap, Sea and Air Rescue, on my personal time. Yeah, that's about me. Nice, that's good. I I bet that's quite exciting. 
Yeah, it is. You can uh, go out on the sea when it's rough, uh, fly helicopters and uh, yeah, everything. Run oh waters, jets, skis and stuff like that. So it's, yeah. it's very fun. Oh, wow. That's definitely something different as well, isn't it? I bet no two, two days are the same with that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you do uh, what you do at work, uh, but on a spare time when you do this, you help people for real. Uh, I mean, it could be like uh, some that is sick in the islands in the archipelago and so on. So it's uh, it's a very different types of work there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. But like you said, definitely a common common theme of of helping people, which is which is lovely. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So now that we've kind of established a little bit of a, a context context sorry let's move into kind of the the topic or, or focus on on more what we we plan to discuss now we all have a question or statement as such and we'll do exactly the same just work around the room i'll ask each of you to kind of pose your question and give me your thoughts around it as well kind of with within the bigger topic of building an inclusive culture at work um what your thoughts and experiences and and theories are on it as well so Hawken we'll we'll start with you if that's okay tell me yeah, more about your thoughts on the topic yeah it's about diversity and when you challenge yourself and you're recruiting people uh, really think outside the box uh when, when we started to recruit, it was always like we need seniors developers, uh, like male, mid 40s, uh, blonde Swedish guys. Uh, so we now we start to think about a little bit outside the box. Uh, the last uh, this year we have employed, I think it's from five, six different countries that moved to Sweden. It's from Argentina, Brazil, uh, Ukraine, uh, China, and it's young, old, uh, female, males everything because you you when you get building a good team you need to have these uh, diverse inside the team i think I mean, it is the key uh, and it also gets very fun to work with uh, when we come back to the office we could have like fikas with the specialties from every countries uh, and stuff like this it's going to be yeah i think it, it's the key value to build a successful team is to have the diversity in the team and not be afraid to uh, to challenge yourself when you hire people. Yeah, that's a short one, but I think it's uh, it's an easy one. It's it's easy here to say that you you need to do this, but when it comes to to reality, it's it's kind of hard. And also, you need to uh, challenge the HR, the recruitment. Uh, when it comes to that, I mean, just to have people move to Sweden, it's it's a big step for these guys. I mean, it's come from warm brazil coming to sweden it, it, luckily it was in the middle of the summer <laughs> <laughs> but it started to feel now it's going to get the autumn and they're going to get the winter and they're really looking forward to see the snow and stuff like that so it's fun to have these guys along yeah i can imagine and you're totally right it's going to be uh, i think everybody's adapted to remote working um like you said the fikas from from people everywhere um but yeah linda patience what's been your experience when it comes to kind of recruitment and diversity i think the key thing is when you talk about diversity and inclusion in general is to always do it with the people and not just for the people so do it uh, uh with the culture not just for the culture and talk really talk to everyone and hear their stories and ask what they really really need uh, sometimes you sit, I can talk from my experience from sitting in an HR team, you think you know what everyone needs and uh, what everyone is looking for, but then you go out and you start actually digging deeper and talking to each individual and you realize that that potentially could be something completely different from what you were originally thinking. So um, at Simply, but also my previous job, it was all about doing it with uh, and not just for, uh, which I think is important as well. Exactly. It's, it's very easy just to fall into the the normal procedure uh, yeah. senior developer it's very easy to do this mm. yeah. yeah i think i think that's all it's very true uh, i agree with both of you um one of the things that i i sort of want to tag on to that you mentioned hokon was uh there are different perspectives and, and thinking about who you're hiring and working with HR on that. Um, because I think 
very often we forget that diversity brings with it additional skills, additional perspectives, um, additional ways of thinking because people's backgrounds are so different and it impacts how they think. And I've had to define that as a skill that I'm looking for because otherwise uh, it's been very, uh, I've often gotten the pushback of, well, you know, it's how do you hire somebody who's diverse if you want to hire the best candidate? I'm like, well, the best candidate is a diverse candidate. It, it you know, it they're not mutually exclusive. It's not an either or. It is a package deal. Um, and I think that's a, a fundamental shift in the way of thinking that uh, the more it spreads and the more people see that, oh, wow, you know, people with lots of different backgrounds are bringing in a lot of value and uh, bringing a different perspective that, you know, is forcing people around them to also think differently and to be more open and to be more adaptable and flexible. Um, I think it's, it's, it takes a while for that to spread, but once it does, it's a really, really good thing for a company. And I think a really, really interesting point on that when we talk about international workforce is an inclusiveness is that we need to consider that they're also bringing their families and their loved ones. Uh, so thinking about inclusiveness, just not in terms of getting an individual to adapt to ways of working uh, in the workplace, but also outside. It's equally important that we as a company look after uh, the family members that are joining as well. Because um, otherwise, how will someone fully integrate unless uh, their loved ones do so as well? So I think inclusiveness at this uh, stage goes also above uh, the actual role and the job title. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I'm so impressed by these guys that they actually moved from Brazil, Argentina to Sweden with their families. Uh, but now they started to think about, I need to learn Swedish because the kids start to learn Swedish. Uh, <laughs> and they start to learn the bad words, of course, the kids always do that, uh, but uh, the parents also need to start learning Swedish and, and we help the family to get this uh, uh, workship here in Sweden and so on. So it's, it's a package deal. That's great. No, that is really good. I think, um, yeah, it's so it seems so obvious doesn't it when when you have these conversations like of course you're being inclusive of everything not just not just the person not just the role um and something you mentioned there patients is kind of when you bring somebody else in it does definitely change the the kind of norm or the the usual flow of the the group i was recently talking to someone about a different podcast and he was saying that he's massive on like diversity and inclusion and i think he worked with a lot of like academic like data scientists and he had like a team of maybe four or five like you say middle-aged white males um and then he hired a young girl who'd like come out of uni was quite fresh um and he saw that everybody else was kind of like up in their game and the way that they do things because at one point they were all just on a level playing field there was nobody kind of outshining anyone and then this girl came in who obviously was different to the norm and then really really kind of challenged everyone because she was a much younger much less experienced but came with um so much more and a bit more like, like a lot more differences really that then kind of changed the whole group for the better um definitely kind of made them up their game and, and work a little bit differently and and change the way that they do things in the norm so yeah i definitely agree kind of recruiting different profiles different um people is going to help yeah definitely it's an improvement to the team to have this diversity yeah nice okay and then i think if we we come to you linda kind of yours was a little bit different it was more a question on when you have a high performing team or a high functional team um how can you get them to be more inclusive from scaling up when when you start as a startup i uh, i think this uh, question is so interesting because um, Sometimes, unfortunately, companies think about diversity and inclusion when it's maybe too late or when they have a problem. But I like to think of it in the opposite way, that you should think about it before you have a problem. Uh, 
because it, it should be in the DNA of everything that we do. Um, so that made me sort of wonder, should you break up an existing team to think about diversity uh, if it's working really well? Uh, and I think it's about uh, landing on what the goal is and what the purpose is. And uh, for us at St. and for me personally, in all that I do, is that the goal is to build an inclusive culture uh, so that diverse a diverse group of people can make great stuff together, uh, which is exactly what we talked about now. If you have a diverse workforce, you, the outputs will be so much greater uh, and the backgrounds that everyone brings uh, gives different perspectives to things. Uh, but then I thought about, so how do you actually do this then if something is really working well already? Uh, and I think it's about awareness, uh, just uh, bringing awareness into the team. Like, why do we need diversity and what does it mean and why do we need inclusiveness? And that's like awareness of everything in terms of impact of words, physical considerations, internationality, um, gender and all of those things. Um, and that we as a company have the responsibility to educate. Uh, probably bring it in already in the onboarding and the recruitment, but it's about um, raising that awareness and uh, the value that it brings. Uh, I think it's really interesting to talk about. So that was why it was my question. I, t I totally agree. It's like you have a high performance team uh, and you just split that apart and put in some uh, different types of persons. It will be a struggle from the beginning, but then you could have like two or three high performance team instead of one high performance team. Uh, probably more high performance because if you have the same person all over them, it they probably block each other in different thinking. If mm. you have uh, the diversity creates also a, a new way of think. I mean, if a young person comes directly from university, they have a, an open mind to everything. If you like like me, that is quite old. Uh, I have started to block my thinking. Uh, so I think and all the different nationalities also bring up new way of thinking. So yeah, diversity is the key here. And I, I think the uh, one, one uh, stumbling point that uh, some managers have is moving from talk about diversity and we're just going to put this person in there and we're going to talk a lovely game about diversity and inclusion to actually living it and being a role model for that. Um, and I know, you know, there's when you have diverse teams, there will be cultural conflicts, there will be personal issues, there will be a lot more variety of things that somebody is assuming is a norm and for the other person, it's not a norm and there's going to be a discussion point there and um, sometimes that's really hard and very challenging for managers to handle especially if they're very conflict shy because those could be seen as points of conflict uh, and I think that's one of the primary reasons why people don't hire for diversity and inclusion because they don't know how to actually live the inclusion they don't know how to do it on a in a pragmatic way on a daily basis. Um, and so, you know, one of the tricks that uh, has worked for me, it may work for others, it may not, is I tend to try to throw the blame up into the sky, you know, disassociate it from the individual and just say, well, this might be a cultural issue. This might be a a uh, background difference, a uh, experiential difference. It's not the individual that you have a problem with. It's this topic. It's this issue. And how do, how can we sort of dissect that and try to look at it from different points of view? Um, and that often allows us to have a more open conversation without the conflict, without the me versus them, without um, my way or my assumption is better, yours isn't. And on all these sort of more challenging, delicate things that can come up when you have diversity and uh, you're trying to create that inclusive space. Because honestly, you know, I haven't seen any diverse and inclusive spaces, if you want to put that in quotes, that don't have those kind of open dialogues 
that function. Like, because if you don't have those conversations and you're not willing to deal with those issues, it's just all talk. And people are going to see that. And you're maybe going to have diversity and inclusion right now, but within a real short span of time, everybody who's providing that is going to be like, oh, I'm out of here. Um, and you're going to be back where you started, but even worse, because your core team, whatever is the majority, is going to say, well, that didn't work. Let's never do it again. And they're going to be even more resistant rather than having had that as a positive experience. So I think that's a sort of the, a very critical step that uh, often is forgotten. You know, hiring is great. You know, helping the families is great, but you know, the, the every day, day in, day out, as the months roll by, as the years roll by, as events happen in people's lives, that's where you really get the inclusion part, and you really get people uh, started to understand and see the value of diversity and different ways of thinking. At least that's my opinion, my perspective on it. I think it's great and I think it's so true and I think it's also that's why it's important you're doing it for the right reason and not for the sake of doing it It, because it's trendy right now because all companies and especially the HR department has to do it it's a tick in a box or it's something that looks great on your CV you have to genuinely believe that it is the right thing to do um, to work through all of these uh, challenges um, in the right way as you say so I completely agree. I also start to wonder if it's it's easier to have this diversity when you're working from home if, instead that you're in the office because then you meet each other on a different uh, levels. Now that you work from home, just uh, turn Slack off or turn Teams off, then you're on your own. But you're in the office, kind of harder. Uh, so that will be a challenge now when we're coming back to the office, I guess. Yeah, and I think language plays a big role in that. And it's also, and this is one of the things where the companies themselves on a high level have a very important role to play. Um, because, you know, I'm in a company that has many different countries, but often, you know, the individual countries, much of the communication is in that local language, as is the case, I think, in many different companies. And companies that can truly go 100% international and global from day one or even evolve to there where they have a, you know, English as a common language or whatever language is the language that can be common for everyone, they're going to have an easier time of it because, you know, every time you have to switch between languages or somebody has to translate for you, all you're doing is you're sending out a strong signal. We don't actually really want you. We can't be bothered to make sure that you can understand everything we're saying. And the, and you don't really need this information that we're giving to everybody else because you're not as important. And that's a really harsh way that I'm translating that signal. But in essence, you know, when you hear that and you see that again and again and again in the company, it wears on you. And and so this is one of those things where I think companies on a higher level, um, from top management down, have it's a fairly simple thing to do. It doesn't really cost a whole heck of a lot, but it makes a huge fundamental difference. And that's where you move from talking the talk to walking the walk. Um, so I think it's something that not only the line manager level needs to be aware of and and take as a lead and obviously HR as well, but also top management. I, I totally agree there because uh, we're in HD. Uh, we have like Swedish as a company language uh, on company level, but on IT it's English. Uh, but it's the, all the developers uh, working in English, all the uh, commercial parties working in English, but there's still some parts that is uh, in Swedish. And I mean, the entire website is in Swedish to Swedish customers. Uh, we don't have anything abroad. So it's, yeah, but it, it, it will be, we, we are eager to have this, the first person on the commercial side speaking English. That would be very like a, a big step in the right direction or top management uh, English speaking. 
we have uh, at Simpler introdu introduced a only English uh, language rule. Even when you, for example, put something in your calendar, because our calendars are open, uh, you cannot uh, write in your local language. We have more than 18 nationalities and we're just under 100 people, but everything has to be visible in English so that everyone can understand, regardless of what it's about. It's communication is key, as in it is with everything. Uh, but I completely agree with you both as well. Yeah, do you know what? That's such a good tip. And I think the reason I enjoy these podcasts is because you, little things like this that you, you can hear or it just makes sense, doesn't it? Like, why would you not have everything in your calendar in English? Um, but I think what you mentioned, Patience, is so key with managers and, and people want to be diverse and, and no one says, I don't want a diverse culture. Everybody's like, yeah, I really want it. But do they actually do anything like these little things like the English in the calendar, like having only English as a, a speaking language? These are the things that really separate the kind of wanters from the doers. And I think um, it, it, it's interesting. It's a, such an interesting topic. And obviously, every company is so different. Um, I think at ATG, like you said, how can your customers are all Swedish it's not in any other country all the the website is Swedish I know I've been on it in the past and I'm like I don't I don't have a clue where to start <laughs> um, but then obviously you've got developers working on this website who, who who don't know Swedish who don't understand the Swedish language so yeah I think it's a it's definitely food for thought in terms of how do you implement this true culture yeah, exactly. And, and at the web page, it's the content is in Swedish, but the underline is in English. I mean, the t code is in English and everything is in yeah. English. Yeah, so. it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. But no, you've, you've all given some really good kind of input there. Um, OK, well, patience will come on to, to your and I think we touched on it a little bit kind of um, with cultural differences. And I, th I like what you suggested of juggling the appreciation of their views but not letting it kind of consume or limit the team um, so yeah give us some more information on that yeah one of the things that has come up that I've had to deal with in the past that I found to be fascinating in its challenge was you know that you've got certain cultures where you know they don't they don't shake hands with women or women as managers are, you know, that's kind of not really the done thing. And, or you have other, other cultures where being um, LGBTIA plus uh, is, you know, that's not done. And, you know, all these different cultures that come in and you don't really know. I mean, you obviously you can see gender like that's, pretty obvious in some cases you know there are some exceptions of course but people make assumptions um, and they kind of know that going in but sort of how do they deal with it and how do they react to it on a daily basis and how do I as a manager handle that and understand that if somebody is having a hard time with me because I'm female and I'm their boss and they don't think a female should be above me. They think they should be under my boss who's male. You know, like that, that is a type of environment where I need to learn how to understand that that is a cultural thing. That is not a personal thing, even though it may feel very personal. And to learn as a manager, like, how do I get beyond that so that we can have a good working relationship and the same goes for, you know, how do I put myself in the shoes of my team members who may be having similar types of issues that are fairly strongly tied to emotional and political points of view, if not religious, right? Because those are really super intense topic areas for people, and they hold them close to their heart. And and oftentimes they use those to identify who they are. Like, this is who I am, right? I am this religion or I am this political leaning or I am this whatever. And how do you disassociate people from the aspects of that that are limiting to themselves and their growth in the team and to the other team members without 
denying who they are and their background and the fact that they have come from this context. And that is, you know, sort of that's been their past and that's made up their present. It doesn't necessarily mean that that is their future. Um, and it's, it's, I find it a very, uh, an intensely fascinating area and, you know, all tips are welcome, of course. Um, but I, I try different things at different points, but I think that is probably for me, at least the most challenging aspect of, uh, integrating teams and having inclusivity in a really true way is what do you do about those sides? of people's cultures or religions or politics or whatever they use to identify themselves that just don't fly in the workplace. Like, you know, that's that's the part because it's a package deal, as I said, you know, so like you got to deal with it. Um, so I have a few thoughts on that, but I'd be really interested to hear what you guys think or if you've had experiences on those lines uh, with various different cultures. Um, yeah. I would say no experience in that area, but it would be very interesting to have like, uh, uh, that's kind of a, not a conflict, but that challenge has for, that really challenged me as a manager uh, to have like this, uh, this type of person in my team, but not yet, perhaps in the future. <laughs> I can't say one example either i don't think i've experienced it in in such a strong way yet but what i think in general is that you should always uh, walk the walk and not just talk the talks when i set up for example my hr department now we're 12 people uh, i have uh, recruited from all uh, parts of the world and all different religions and uh, genders and uh, points of views it's a very strong team in terms of um, opinions uh, but how can we say to the organization or to our employees that we believe in diversity and that we understand what they're going through or put ourselves in their shoes if we can't actually also show that we are living it uh, so for me it was very important to create that diverse hr team so that we really have there is always someone who has either experience in that culture or come from a similar region or gone through other similarities uh, that they can talk to and that goes with myself as well i every opportunity I can to live abroad and to experience different cultures, so I can really put myself in the shoes of employees, I think is important. So I've lived in India for quite some time as well, uh, where it's a little different cultures, of course. So uh, I think that's very important as well, to take every opportunity you can to educate yourself so that you know how to handle these situations when they appear and to get the different points of views uh, on both sides. And communication, again, we come back to that. I think communication is key. Yeah, and this is where I think HR um, doesn't necessarily take res uh, have responsibility for this, but can play an extremely supportive role in um, raising those types of examples and helping managers through trainings or uh, videos or whatever of how do you deal with it if something this challenging were to come up. Like, what would you do and how could you handle it and how could you tackle that? Because then when it does come up or something a little bit less challenging comes up, they're more skilled to be able to handle it and to be able to distance themselves from that. Um, and I've been lucky in my career in that in many, many, many different uh, contexts, I've been in extremely challenging situations. And so I no longer take anything personally. I just feel like it's just eh, whatever. Um, but I know that, you know, that's been one through a lot of scrapes and hard knocks and, and stuff. And I wouldn't wish that path on any other manager. Um, and so, uh, I know what I try to do, you know, when people raise these types of issues with me is just sort of slowly walk them through it and and try to uh, bring forward other examples and try to help them look at it from a perspective outside of themselves. 
um, and think about sort of what is the main goal. It's not you and he or you and she or, you know, the two of you. It's it's looking at sort of why are you here in this job in the first place? What are you trying to achieve in this job and this context and this environment that we're in? And what do you want to be proud of for, proud of and known for? Um, but it's, it's uh, you know, and sometimes that helps people leave some of this at the door and, and know that they don't need to bring some of these topic areas into play. Um, but it, it depends on the level of connectedness they have. Uh, some people can't leave it at the door. It is, it is fundamentally how they self-identify. Um, and so, you know, sometimes I've, we've come to a point where we just need to say, you're really, really awesome at this job, but this context isn't really working for you. So maybe we can find you a better team within the company, you know, in a different area that could work for you, um, where you could be happier because if I can't make you happy doing, you know, the different things that I can, you know, like. I appreciate that. If, you know, this team can't offer you what you're looking for, that's okay. Um, and and sort of toss blame out the window because it's, it's not about blaming or judging, but about trying to find a space where somebody can feel comfortable, where they can feel uh, motivated and grow and, and feel safe so that they can do the best job possible. And uh, whether that's in a team that is diverse in the way my teams are or a team that's diverse in a very different way, you know, different people have different preferences and that's okay. But, you know, that's sort of how I've looked at it and how I've approached it. But I know there's a million other ways that could be better. How do you, what do you find the individual? What are their reactions when you say that? Um. So far, most everybody's agreed because we've tried to work through and focus on improving the current situation and where they are and what we can do together, what I can do uh, in my position, what they can do in their position, what others can do um, who might be involved in this scenario and obviously HR, anybody else. Um, But, you know, sometimes... You know, it just isn't quite a fit, and that's okay. That doesn't mean they're not not good at their jobs. It doesn't mean they're not amazing people. It just means, you know, this may not be where they want to be right now, where they're going to feel happiest. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I want people to be in a space where they feel safe, they're motivated, and they are happy, and they're going to do a good job. And I want to do everything I can to to make that space for them. And if that means I do everything I can to help create that environment and support them in another team, then that's what I'll do. Or in another company. Like I I write recommendations for people to go work in other companies than in my team, if that's what they want, because it's about the individual and making sure that they feel safe, secure, happy, motivated. Um, and, you know, the person comes first in my world and the company comes second. Um, but, you know, I, not everybody's going to play it that way. You know, sometimes <laughs> budgets come first. <laughs> and I'm going to say something very HR now, but it's all about uh, being brave enough to have the difficult conversations, right? Because that's when you get the most out of uh, both people, but also... Uh, look after them in the best and the right way. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I agree. Totally agree. No, definitely. I think um, it's a challenge, isn't it, being kind of responsible for a team and, and having to face these things. But like I think every single one of you said, it makes you grow. It makes you kind of your own journey as well. It's definitely good for that. Yeah, and... I think the next step for me would be like to have a person that is uh, like functional disability sitting mm-hmm. in a wheelchair, blind, hearing disabled. I mean, it could still be uh, awesome developers. Yeah. 
but but then we could have like challenges at work. Do we have uh, toilets that work for these guys, or could they get to the office? And yeah, you'd be surprised how easy it is. Uh, you know, there's so much support, especially in the Nordics. Uh, so they not a problem. Is basically the answer when you really dig into it. Yeah. So we need to these guys to actually apply for the job that we're looking for. Or you could reach out to yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> trade yeah. unions or the organization. Yeah. Uh, um, what is it called? Branch organizations. Yeah. Because I think it would be it, it would be a good lesson for the entire company to have this person on board. Mm. Uh, and I think yeah. it's so good that you raise it because diversity is so often uh, linked to nationalities, but there is so much more uh, than just gender and nationalities that is covered in the diversity and that should be considered when talking about inclusion. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think it, it's, you're so right when you think of diversity, people think women, other nationalities, um, but yeah, it's it's definitely a challenge. I'm not sure. I'm thinking like how how could you include these like feel like you said physical disabilities? How can you kind of proactively target them? Um, but yeah, and I think a lot of disabilities as well. The thing is that maybe you can't see it. So then it's a kind of situation where well, how do we have that conversation? How do you make it so that person can come to you and have that chat and and kind of feel comfortable when it's such a, a sensitive subject as well? Um, I think with all of these conversations, especially like what you said, patients, people who tie their beliefs and religions and and it's kind of deep rooted like thoughts and feelings. It's such a sensitive topic um, and I think as leaders I mean like you said definitely a challenge but you do well to, to deal with it. Nice now my question was a little bit similar to I think we've covered a lot of it um, it's more conflicts and the reason I wanted to pose this is basically I place tech freelancers at companies um, that have engineers from so many countries whether it be they've relocated they're all working remotely um, and I think I've seen a bit of a, a kind of spike or an increase in conflict and, and in the freelancer chatting to me and saying ah oh, it's a bit difficult to work with these guys that they're more direct than me they don't agree they're not open to negotiation they're not open to reasoning with me as much um now in, in my head I think that's obviously if we're hiring more remote staff you're hiring more cult people from different backgrounds people from different cultures different countries um so of course it's going to lead to like we said more diversity um but yeah i wanted to know any top tips to kind of other leaders in how to deal with these situations um given given that you you guys are obviously in in similar positions as well shall I, i've talked a lot so i'm just going to let linda or hook on take the lead on this one <laughs> Uh, I think it's great that you told you said so many interesting things. <laughs> you shouldn't stop talking. <laughs> um, cultural training, of course, and then it's the awareness again, I think. Uh, seeing both sides is super important uh, and also explaining both sides uh, to an individual. Uh, but I think it's one of the biggest challenges the company has, and I'm talking from both current role, but also previous role, is the integration of remote um, international workers. Um, it's so easy to be happy once the paper is signed, but that's just when the, the work is starting, right? Uh, the coming years is what really will make a difference, uh, both to the company, but importantly, even more so to the individual. Uh, so um, it's a challenging questions, but I think it's about uh, being super open to diverse workforce, uh, having the discussions, being brave enough, like we've said as well, uh, to go in when things are not the way they should be. Uh, and especially for me in HR to really take those discussions because it can often be with managers or leaders potentially um, who don't understand. Um, and then we have um, trainings in place for that as well, or dialogues uh, to ensure that everyone understands uh, what it means. To have diverse workforce. 
Yeah, and in this case, Sophie, I think also like the company key values that this so a pe person could feel welcome. I mean, we have four, three different words that we have, like offensive, respectful and ownership, our key values that follow us in everything that we do at, at work. Even if it's like uh, team goals, personal goals, everything, we could like relate to these key things. And that like respectful and ownership uh, is very much if you come into a team from a different culture, uh, respect that person, uh, let that person take ownership of his own stuff and so on. So yeah, these, these are very helpful for us at HD. And also being brave enough to take a difficult decision if you have to, like not uh, taking or accepting side and just letting things go by, uh, but as a company really make a stand for those values uh, and live them every day, I think yeah. it's super important as well. Yeah. If you have respect, then everyone has to be respectful. Yeah. And if they're not, then there needs to be a conversation. Yeah, because we talk, talk about respectful uh, every day. I mean, it's like when you're in the office to say, just say hi to a person that you meet in the in the corridor, uh, in the in the coffee machine. Uh, that is that is also like respectful. Yeah, and I think it's it's an interesting topic that you raised from your perspective, Sophie, because there's a whole power, power dynamic there that, you know, if you're talking about diversity and inclusion with employees within a company, then, you know, a lot of people are sort of on the same playing field. But when you have consultants that are brought in temporarily and the company or that manager is the payer in the position of a lot more power, they can fire them at whim you know, it's it's a very different dynamic and it's much more challenging. And and that's where, you know, I know a lot of consultants will sort of sniff around at a company and be like, nope, I don't want to work there because I'm going to clash. They're going to clash. I tried it before. It's not going to work. And there isn't as much time or in some cases, incentive on the part of the company, the hiring company or the hiring manager to invest in having those open dialogues. And, and that makes it super challenging when you, you have that kind of diversity because then you're sort of, uh, not you as anybody here, but the hiring manager is seeing the person not as an individual the, who brings diversity skill sets, but as a pawn to solve a problem, as a tool to fix an issue, and not as an individual with personality and uh, a lot of other attributes that they could bring to the team as a whole. Um, and sometimes, you know, the timeline is just so short that that's the way it's got to be. But, you know, for longer term contracts, you know, unfortunately, sometimes that's the environment that consultants are coming in on. And I say that because I've been a consultant in the past myself. So been there, done that, uh, understand that. And sometimes the best thing to do if you're the consultant is just say, this is the context and I just need to play ball with that. Yeah. I think it's very important that if you take in a consultant that the consultant also feel very welcome because it will contribute to the company and if it doesn't feel welcome it will not contribute as we want so it's very much to no different between employee and consultant i think it's they are on the same level yeah it shouldn't so interesting. Yeah. this should be a podcast topic if you haven't already <laughs> thought of it uh, <laughs> inclusiveness between full-time employees and consultants Definitely. That's. I uh, do you know what I'm writing that down as my next one. <laughs> but no, it's it's interesting. And like you say, you want them to be the same. You want them to be treated and feel inclusive. But then on the flip side, playing devil's advocate, they're there as a service. They're getting paid to come in and do something. Um, really, really tough, isn't it? When you actually think of about how dynamic it is and and how to balance it all uh, because obviously like you say it could be what six months and then the person goes are you going to change your whole company culture just for this one temporary member of staff or is it kind of an eye-opener that they're bringing this no but yeah I'll definitely uh, add that to the list of, of top talking points because it's uh, it's really dynamic and, and there it's very important that you uh, involve all the employee from the team or or the 
team members that could be like consultant and employees when you bring in a new person into the team uh, it could be like this person is not the technical the best but they really they really click with the team and they get along super that like could be super important for the team yeah and i think also regard and exactly what you say and regardless if it's a consultant or if it's a permanent employee still respect the same values and, and do the right thing regardless yeah. yeah definitely i think there's a common theme surrounding this of your core values is what your whole team should be following and if you follow it then the team follows it yeah yeah, absolutely. And I think that's very true, no matter how long somebody's in your team. But um, uh, I can appreciate and understand the challenge it is for many managers who don't currently already do that. Um, and so that's I was trying to be a bit more respectful to, you know, different ways for different people and they have different team cultures and in some instances some managers may want to uh, really uh, show that they appreciate the employees um, for some reason or another right they there will be reasons for that um, but I agree with you I, I think people are people and they should be treated equally and fairly no matter what kind of legal contract they have with a company yeah, I think that's it's in the IT. It's uh, very easy to be very diversified because they always look at the skills. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're a female, where you come from. It's the skills that matters, or your ambition to be something uh, at IT. Uh, yeah. And it's another. It's more common as well in IT and amongst engineers as well. Yeah. Than if we look at other competences. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we could definitely talk about this for, for so long. There's so many, <laughs> so many things to cover. Um, but does anyone have any kind of final comments on, on anything we've discussed, really? Anything else we want to kind of add in and, and throw into the mix? I, I think this has been a really interesting topic to sort of dig more into and you know I'd like to talk about it for the next few days but unfortunately this <laughs> is not possible I'm not sure people would want to listen to it for several days either but uh, I, I think it's it's great that there's uh, you've managed to get a diversity of people you know with different backgrounds and stuff here um, in you know, from different companies, and so to hear different people's way of thinking than my own, because um, I'm often trapped in my own little head. So <laughs> it's good to get out of it every once in a while. This hour has gone really fast as well. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. this is what I Which mean. You could just talk for days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, but no, thank you guys. We'll we'll leave it there. Um, this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I mean, I want to take this opportunity to thank Linda, Patience, Hawk, and thank you so much for your insight. Um, I think everybody listening, like we've said, it's such an important topic, but they'll definitely take away some things from this. Um, so, yeah, thank you all. And if anyone who's listening is, is interested in joining one of the many topics surrounding diversity that we'll cover in the future, definitely reach out to me on, on LinkedIn or on email at 